can we say all of our lives that God has been so good to us? Amen? He has been so good. Through the things of adversity, thick and thin, that God has remained faithful. And we know that's who he is. And he doesn't change. And he will continue to be faithful. And I don't know about y'all, but God's doing something special, okay, in our hearts. I believe that's happening here. It's not just here. I believe God is up to something big, okay? And I believe that obviously all of us want to be a part of that. I believe that all of us want to participate, partner with him in what he's doing in the earth today. And I do believe today we're to, to share the love of Jesus with others around us. But I believe what he's doing in our lives is actually sanctifying us. He's actually consecrating us. We're going to talk about it. And we're grateful today that you're here. Amen, Kathy. Amen. 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 The thunder. The thunder. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You think we may have an audience? Amen. You think <laughs> we may have an audience? And I'm sure we do. I believe they're worshiping around God's throne. And there's a celebration. And we want that celebration. Obviously, we just pour it out here, Lord. Because obviously, everything within us worships the Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay. Let's uh, see what God wants to do with, with his word. Uh, he always... Uh, does something because it doesn't return void and that's the word so we're going to read one verse here and actually the title of this the answer to our desperation and is relationship part three and we're going to talk about brokenness today brokenness and we're going to talk about something I believe is very important for a precursor for revival and it's brokenness. If you stand with me, we're going to read Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. One verse. Okay. Now, this is the word of God. You can believe it. Okay. And what he's saying. He's saying this to you and to me and all who will call upon his name. Let's read it together. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Waiting on the Lord. Talking to somebody this past week about that. And some counseling that I do. And I was talking that we wait on the Lord. And waiting on the Lord is not inactivity. You hear the theological phrase, the biblical phrase, waiting on the Lord. Just spoken of in Isaiah 30. <clears throat> but actually, it actually means... The posture of our heart to obviously hear God and then to be obedient to what he's calling us to do. It's a position that we take. And that's what we're doing here each Sunday and, and we should every day. But certainly when we come together corporately, corporately, we are positioning our heart to believe, to trust the Lord, and then to, to, to stand out and go and do what God's called us to do. That's what that waiting is actually. So it's a little bit, little bit different than what you would think. We don't just sit back. We actually are moving forward in uh, his, his strength and his might. So I want to talk about this breakthrough. I want to talk about actually 
something that obviously is is very important and that is in our brokenness what happens and the question is why did God have Israel wait 400 years before he led them out of captivity why did he wait all that particular time because see he could have delivered them right away and remember the Old Testament stories I love the Old Testament stories we're getting into the old teaching and the Old Testament stories are obviously for uh, our uh, uh, consolation, for our edification, and for the learning and growth in our relationship with Jesus Christ. New Testament, praise God. But the Old Testament, man, I'm telling you, I love the Old Testament too. So why did he wait? He could have delivered them immediately. He heard them when they first cried out there and so forth. They were sort of hunkered down and they'd gotten comfortable being slaves to the Egyptians. We all know the story there. They'd gotten comfortable in their place, and certainly they were in slavery. And remember when Moses came and they went out into the desert, they left Egypt and so forth. They had seen the miraculous things that God did to bring them out of the hands of Pharaoh and out of Egypt. And yet when things got tough, what did they do? They began to bellyache. They began to complain instead of thanking him for the deliverance. Thanksgiving is powerful. Thanksgiving, I believe that somehow it touches the heart of God and it moves the heart of God on behalf of us to just thank him. Your gratitude, thank him for everything, praise him and worship him for everything. It doesn't make any difference whether or not it's the good times or the bad times and mountaintops or in the valleys doesn't make any difference. He's still God and he watches over his children. And so they murmured and complained. Remember that? And God was raining down that good tasting manna from heaven. God supplied every need that they had. The soles on their shoes, then their sandals didn't even wear out. Remember, he provided for them. We talked about in the last two Sundays about the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. <laughs> thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Don't let us fall into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom. The power and the glory forever and ever. And so we see that obviously. The wonderful. The blessing of, of going to our father. Knowing that when we call upon him. That he begins to do something on our behalf. But why did he wait all that time? That's what I want to talk about today is because Israel was given to us as an example. So why? Why did he wait here? Obviously, I believe and I believe that many would believe that there were a lot of things that had to happen in the Israelites hearts before God could actually work. You ever thought about it in your own life? You know, we pray and we pray and it seems like we don't get the answers maybe in the timing or immediately like what we would like them to be. And certainly, and, and we wait and we wait and, and we're like, God, Jim talks about the Bible. I know you answer prayer. I pray the Lord's prayer. I'm praying for God to give us this day our daily bread. And sometimes there's a need that's there. And I believe that actually he's waiting on us. I believe many times he waits till we get into a position that we can receive what he has for us. And I believe that. And I've been asking the Lord about this in my life. Because I want my life to line up with the word of God. Okay. Truth. 
And I'm saying, Lord, if there's any area in my life is not lining up with your word, would you, Lord, correct that? Would you give me a heads up and let me make the correction that is needed? And I believe at this particular time is that the Israelites were not ready to receive what God had for them. And we know even after they became delivered, and it's symbolic of our deliverance, you realize before you accepted Christ that you were in slavery to, to sin, you were in slavery to the devil, you obviously were under the wrath of God. And yet by his grace and his mercy, he, he uh, sent Jesus into the world that we would be delivered. Actually, that is symbolic of our deliverance from our sin. And obviously the shame and the thing, the guilt that, that sin puts upon us. And so people were not ready for that. So God gets us ready. God gets the church ready corporately to receive. And I believe what he's doing right now, he's getting ready for us to receive revival. He's getting you and I ready. Because many times God, obviously you've seen, God is a surprise. He doesn't do things like we want him to do it, right? Everybody know that. And he doesn't do things in our timing either. Either Now, many times he'll answer prayer immediately, definitely. But sometimes we have to continue to go before him and ask him and to seek his face. Why? Because it deepens our relationship with him. He could answer your prayer immediately, but he wants the relationship. He wants us to come to him. See, if, if I was, I thought he was the genie in the box, you know, I'd crank that thing, popped out, and then I'd put him back down in there. I'd go about my business, wouldn't you? But what it does keeps us coming before the Lord, keeps us there. Because, see, if he gives us what we want immediately like that, we won't cry out to the Lord. We'll become, obviously, again, as we were praying, status quo. Everything's fine here. I don't need any help. And yet we know God answers prayer. And he answers it in a way until we come to a place. And what is that place? The place is we come to an end of ourselves. We come to a place and saying, I can't do this, Lord. I cannot. I've tried and I've tried. I've, 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 I've had my grit and I've gritted my teeth and I used my muscles and I did this and that and I, and I did it. And, and God waits till we say, I give up. You've got to do it, Lord. Why? It's because he gets all the glory. Until then, we somehow, we want a little bit of it. We would never admit it with Christians. We know better. But we know we want a little bit of that. So you wait. So if there's something going on in your life today, right now, and you've asked God for, and you haven't seen the full deliverance of it, or you haven't seen the full answer of it, then God may have you in a holding pattern to continue to cry out to him and continue to seek his face and continue to beseech him on behalf of yourself and your family or maybe your work or particular health or whatever it may be until you come to that place that God knows he'll bring you to. And you know what that place is? It's a place of brokenness. It's a place when you finally come to the end of yourself. I can't do this. But see, when we're not seeking the Lord. When we become, because in that old nature, in our humanity. It's, we have a, a tendency to drift away. We have a tendency to drift away. And people today are not in the church. They're not coming to church. We're not reading the word. We're not praying like we should. And God is waiting for us to come. And certainly we don't gain God's favor by that. But there's something about it that happens because it is about relationship. And he wants you and I to come to a depth of intimacy like we've never known before. 
His purpose in creating us is so that we would have intimacy with him. We would have a relationship with him, but it goes further so that we can have fellowship with him. He wants fellowship. We walk in the light as he is in light and we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sin, walking in the light. And what God begins to do is begins to remove those things that have kept us from coming in and receiving his fullness. And that takes time. So God's in preparation. I've always said we're in a preparatory uh, time right now, I believe. Certainly preparation for heaven. <clears throat> but preparation to receive what God has for each one of us. Preparation for Lighthouse Fellowship to receive what God has for each one of us. And according to Isaiah chapter 30, he wants to bless us, right? I mean, it's the word of God. He wants to bless us. Listen to Psalm 42. As a deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? David wrote this psalm. You know, you've seen a deer. I've seen deer. Some of you are hunters. George is a hunter and all that. And they'll run, and they'll run, and they get lathered up, okay? And they're trying to find water because they're thirsty. They've been running and all. And so they're panting for, for that stream, those streams of water. And God, David is saying this. And he's saying, as a deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul longeth after thee. Are we panting for the Lord? Are we thirsty for him? Are we wanting nothing else but him? Are we at that place in our hearts that we're just saying, Lord, if you don't come and fill me, I won't get filled. If you don't do this in my life today and you don't renew me, you don't revive me, you don't make me more like Jesus, it's not going to happen today. Well, David knew and his soul was thirsty. But I'm afraid what happens because we've so many things are going on in life today is that we settle in for status quo. We settle into a, a place where we're comfortable and so forth. I've got what I need and I'll call upon you when I need something else. That's what we kind of get to, right? So if you've got something today, and I want you to think about this, that you've been asking God for, you've been asking for maybe a deeper walk with him. Maybe it's something that physical that you need. Maybe it's a health need. Maybe it's a financial need. It can be anything. And you're waiting and you're praying. Did God hear you the first time? Yes, he heard you. But he gets us into a, a position to receive what he has for us. And that sometimes takes time. And so certainly... He's not obviously uh, unable to do that, but he waits for you and me. And he gets us to a place, really, if you get down to it, a place of desperation. Desperation. Let me read what this is. Desperation actually is a good thing. Because why? Because we're driven to prayer. When things are good and I'm on the mountaintop, a lot of times my prayer life will drift. Okay? But when things are tough, there's adversity. When there are things going on, it drives me to my knees. Okay? So desperation is a good thing. But also, desperation is a decision. We can obviously say, I really am fine just where I am. Thank you. And so forth. But desperation is a decision that we make. What? To seek the face of God. Desperation is to, to obviously to seek the Lord, to cry out to him. To know he is the answer that we need. 
It's not about whether or not we get a new president in the White House, although we're praying for different things and you have different particular beliefs in regards to an ideology and so forth. Because you see, the, the Congress and the White House are not the problem necessarily. The problem is you and I. The problem is our spiritual lives. The problem is, is that as a church, as a body, is that we need to be on fire in love with Jesus to where the world will see Jesus in and through you and me and in and through this church corporately called Lighthouse Fellowship and in throughout the whole body of Christ. But why? Because we know in the book of Revelation it talks about the church at Laodicea. They were lukewarm. They thought they were okay. They had status quo. Everything's fine. I got money in the bank. Got a little bit. Not much. But I got food on the table. I've got all these things and I'm fine. And really, I, I, we don't need any, any more of God. So don't come with me with those particular things. I am fine, thank you. And what did Jesus say about that church? He said, you're wretched. You're naked and you're blind. And he said, you're failing to repent. And he said, I'm getting ready to spit you out of my mouth. Very serious. You see, we can be obvious one way. A lukewarm church thinks they're okay. Everything is fine. But you see, a cold church realizes they need God. And they're crying out to God. And then a church on fire for the Lord has the Lord. And, and God is using them powerfully. But a lukewarm church can go along for years and years and years because they think everything is fine. I got what I need. We've got our building. We paid the bills last month. Everything is fine, thank you. And God is saying, no, you know it's not. God is saying, I want you to come. And I want you, all of you, I want you to consecrate your life to me totally to where nothing is left. That's where we are today. Desperation is really a good thing. And, you know, we sing that song about the air I breathe here. And we say, I'm desperate for you. We sing it. And I'm lost without you. You know, the song we sing is Michael W. Smith. I actually wrote it. I'm, I, I'm desperate for you. I'm lost without you. Oh, can we say that today? Are we desperate for the Lord? Remember what I said, because we're going back. And I'm not asking something that I don't believe God can't do in your life and my life. And that is, then we know that we ask for it. We come to the Lord because God will supply that particular need. And do we consider our relationship with Jesus Christ as essential as breathing? Do we consider our relationship with Jesus Christ as essential as breathing? I know I believe that breathing is essential because I'd drop right here today if I wasn't breathing. But in comparison, do you believe that your relationship with Jesus Christ is that important? Do you think about it for a moment here? Throughout the day, you can whisper, I'm desperate for you, Lord. I'm desperate for you. I'm lost without you. And, and go to the Lord and seek his face. God honors those prayers, folks. God wants you and I to cry out to him. Because God never delivers us out of something that he's always delivering us into something as well. 
when he delivers you out of something, and he delivered you out of your sin, and you're sitting here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower of Christ, he always delivers you into something, and that is into his service and worshiping him and praising him wholeheartedly without any reservation. You know the story of Isaiah, <clears throat> a major prophet, in Isaiah chapter 6. Remember what happened? Isaiah actually got a vision of God on his throne. And he looked and he, he was so overwhelmed by the holiness of God and the power of God. And what did he say? He said, woe is me because I'm undone. He said, I am here a man of unclean lips. I've got sin here. And I'm living amongst a people with unclean lips. Remember what he said? Because why? He had a revelation there of the Father on his throne. He had actually a revelation revealing of who God was and his holiness. He said, I'm, done. I'm undone. <laughs> I'm, not quite, I'm not quite there like I thought I was. And he said this. Remember what he said. When what happened, the seraphim put the coal to his lips, symbolic of the blood of Jesus, and cleansed him of those sins, remember? And what happened? Did he do that after that? He says, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. I mean, he was ready to go out and evangelize. He was, getting, he was ready to get out and do whatever God told him to do. If there's something in your life and my life today that is holding you back from doing all that God would have you to do or how, what God would have you to say or certainly where God would have you to go, then you're not fully consecrated. You haven't completely given yourself to him. And we need to come to him and say, Lord, come, I need you and I need your help. And it could be you're waiting on me to come to that place where obviously I'm completely broken, completely broken. Y'all know my testimony. I was working manufacturing management over in Pearland. Uh, I knew manufacturing. I was pretty good. I knew I need I knew steel fabrication. Had a bunch of men over here in Pearland and working for me, and we were building uh, different types of products, different things, and all y'all know the story. And God began to work in my heart. God began to change my heart. I didn't know what was going on. And so what happened was I had a truck. He gave me a company truck. Had bonus that was coming in. All types of things like that. And the boss, the president of the company, called me in and said, I'm going to lay you off. Never had any idea this was going to happen. But God had been dealing with me for about three or four months. And he said, I'm going to lay you off. And I knew then God was working. So what I said was in front of him, praise the Lord. Well, this man probably wasn't a Christian, and he didn't appreciate that. He said, what did you say? I said, nothing. Never mind. So what my thought was all along, Lord, because the mess of what was going on in that particular company, and I had a lot of people working for me, was not good. It wasn't good at all. And, and so finally I said, Lord, you get me out of this mess. And you're going to put me in a better job. And you're going to put me a place where I'm going to make more money. And you're going to do this and that, Lord. I already had my mind weighed up. I'd already done that. But you see, four months before then, 
I had given my heart to Jesus totally to do whatever he told me to do, to go whatever, wherever he wanted me to go and to say whatever he wanted me to say. Well, I'd forgotten all about that. I'd already, I'm looking for more money. I saw dollar figures coming up, okay? So as you know, here's what happened. Cindy was teaching over there in one of the elementary schools. And I went up and stayed with my parents in Virginia because I was going to throw my resumes out to all in the, uh, mid the mid-Atlantic states and so forth all over the place and began to do that. And so a man called me from Indianapolis, um, Indiana, and he said, I want, I've got a plant manager's position. I want you to come up and interview. And so I came up there and I flew up there and interviewed him and the chemistry was right. And he said, I want to hire you. I want to hire you. You're the man for the job. Be a big plant, actually, of manufacturing. You'd be a plant man. Great. How much? How much? He told me, hey, great. That's good. That's good. Okay. And so he said, but I can't hire you right now. He said, so I'll call you when I get the go-ahead to hire you and put you in a position. Well, I came on back to Texas and all, and things were uh, obviously waiting. I waited. I waited. And I waited. And I waited. I read books on waiting on the Lord. I prayed about waiting on the Lord. I prayed about all that stuff. And I, you want to I want to tell you right now, I was desperate. Because here the man had told me, and I'm ready to go, and I'm chomping at the bit, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. I began to sell water fil uh, filters, uh, purifiers, throughout uh, different places. Went into Alvin and, and sold them and, and all over. And I mean, uh, I couldn't sell any my way out of a wet paper bag. I couldn't sell anything. I mean, it was easy. Go in there and show them that the water is dirty, okay? They got well water, and the water is dirty. And I'd go in there and say, look at this. And they go, we'll let you know, Jim, if we want to purchase anything. Well, another Christian that was going along with me, his name was Phil, okay? Brother in Christ. He'd go into a house. He'd go, Jim, let me tell you, show you how to do it. And he'd go in the house, and he'd walk in there. And before he could really finish the demonstration, they were going, we want two of them. I'd go in there, and they would say, well, we don't have the money right now or whatever. And I was so frustrated. And this man in Indianapolis wasn't calling me. And I kept waiting and waiting. I prayed. Lord, I prayed. I've given you my heart. I've done everything I know to do, and, and totally, I'm sold out, Lord. Come and help me. You're going to give me bigger money and, and a bigger job, more responsibility. I want to be a plant manager, blah, blah, this and that. And I kept waiting and waiting and waiting. Couldn't sell anything. I think I maybe made less than $100. It was terrible. It was terrible. And I was in agony. I want to tell you, I was crying out to the Lord. I was getting down, and Cindy was teaching, bless her heart. She kept going, kept on going, and I was at home crying out to the Lord. And let me tell you, probably a lot of it was actually crying, okay? Trust me. I'll go ahead and bare my soul because I was in desperate straits. And you know what was happening in my life? God was breaking me. He was breaking me. Because he wanted me to do something that I had no idea. That I didn't think I was qualified at all to do. That I didn't think I would ever do. And, 
and and in my lifetime because I'd always I had a business management degree uh, and all I had all that stuff and people began to tell me said Jim are you sure God's not calling you into some type of Christian meant full-time Christian service I know it's more money and a bigger job no no and so what did we do we waited and waited and waited and what happened was I became more and more and more broken finally came to a place and I gave up and I surrendered and you know what happened the floodgates of heaven poured in every time that God has broke me a miracle start happen happening and if you're waiting on the Lord today because God hasn't answered your prayer and God has not turned out the way you thought that he would or answered prayers like you thought he would he may be waiting on you you see, God is not slow in any way. He wants to bless us according to the word, right? And so when you wait on him, sometimes it goes beyond what we thought. And you see, this principle and who God is in his heart towards his people is not just, quote, for a pastor. It's for you and me. This is not just for, for me today. This is for you. You're waiting on something here. Well, what happened was I surrendered. I finally surrendered and I said, I'll do whatever. I'll find out. I have no idea what I do now. And here I said, I don't know what to do. Do I go back to school? I've got a four-year degree. Do I go back to school and get a seminary degree? Do I do this? I have no idea, Lord. I don't know where to go, what church to get in, what denomination, non-denomination. Don't make any difference to me, Lord. If you'll put me there, I'll go. Okay. Finally, I came up. And you know what that happens in our lives is when you totally surrender to the Lord. And I mean, he'll bring you to that place where you're at the bottom. And, and the only way you can look up is looking up. He'll bring you to that place. That's when he can use you. Remember the story of the potter and the clay? He's got that clay on the wheel and he's spinning it and he's forming you and all this stuff and it doesn't look right. And what does he do? He takes it, smashes it back down again. Ouch! And it hurts. And then he starts working again and starts molding us again, again. And then he throws us into the fire. What happens when he does that? Brokenness is a precursor to revival. Brokenness will bring us to a place of desperation. And saying, God, I need you desperately. You see, we're so comfortable and we're so laid back. Even though we're serving him. Nothing wrong with that. And I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, God wants to take you and me deeper. You want to go deeper with God? You want to know Jesus and the depths of his intimacy for you and me? That's what he wants. He wants that. And he wants it for you and me. And he'll do everything Certainly, here, you see what he waits for a choice from you and me. He always waits for that choice. If you read here, and you can stand with me if you like, in Psalm 63. I think Lynette's gone. Psalm 63, I think, yeah. She's got it queued up, though, because I look at this. It's David again. You could, yeah, but he, that's David, you know. No, he's talking to you and me. Okay, let's read it together. Oh, God, you are my God. 
earnestly I seek you, and my soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary, and I've beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Amen? My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. And on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Amen. My soul is thirsty. I mean, David's a man after God's own heart. I'm thirsty for you, Lord. I'm hungry for you. I desire you. Well, the issue is, again, the more of God. And many would say, doesn't that really mean that God wants more of us? And you can interpret, interpret it that way, certainly here. But I always say the more of God. Because, you see, there's so much that you and I have not experienced when it comes to God Almighty. God is too big. And he wants you and I to know him in that manner. He's saying there's no limit to our God. There's no limit to what he can do. There's no limit to the lives that he can change. Our God is an awesome God. Hallelujah. And he doesn't want us just to say it. He wants us to experience it. And know. When I came to Jesus. It changed my life. Right? But it's desperate. I realized I was a sinner. And the only way out was receiving a Savior. By his grace. We extended to me. That I knew that he died for me. And I want to tell you. What happened over in Pearland on November 1985? I knew without a shadow of a doubt that if I'd been the only sinner in this world, that Jesus would have still went to Calvary and died for me and me alone if I was the only one. The same with you and me. That's what he wants. He's saying today, you know, what we've got here is sort of like, Lord, Hey, uh, I give you this part, but don't mess with that part. Don't take that. I like that part of me. I like that. I got my car. I got my Camry out here. I got my house. I got the ministry here. Everything's fine. Here we're going along and, and all that. We got this going on here and that. And God is saying, you're still going to worship me. But those things that you're trusting in are taken away. Are you still going to praise me? Will you still be thirsty for me when that prayer that you've answered and you cried out to has been delayed? Because you think something's going on here. Yeah, he's waiting on me and you. He's waiting. He waits. And then what will we do? We wait and we seek him. We should have a great need for God. The lack of a sense of desperation, let me say this, for God is deadly. It's deadly. You see, there are a lot of people today, when they were younger or whatever, they came into church. Or maybe sometimes they've come in and then they've left. Church doesn't save you now. Jesus does. But you get fed, you can come in around fellowship. We need that. But they came in and they're gone. And so the lack of, of desperation for God is spiritually deadly to you. And many people are out here today. And they have no idea where they're going when they take their last breath. They have no idea 
that when they take their last breath, if Jesus Christ is not that personal Lord and Savior, that they're not going to heaven. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And they have no idea. They've never given their life to Jesus. They've never come, become completely desperate for the Lord. But you may be desperate today. You may be desperate for that answer. And God is looking for you and me to cry out to him. You see, today, if we don't have that desperation, we're not cry out to him. Because being desperate for more of God should be the cry of every Christian's life. We have not experienced God in any way and what God desires today. There's so much I want today. He's saying, David's saying it, my soul is thirsty. I've seen you in your sanctuary. I've experienced you, Lord, but there's more to you I want to experience. God, I'm thirsty. I'm hungry for you. We should want our cup to overflow with God's presence and existence. Spiritual death comes when we think we have enough of God. It comes. It will shut us down. It will shut me down. And just go ahead and come in here on Sunday morning and, and deliver us a sermon. And then, hey, everything else. Because everything is vying for your attention and mine today. But God is saying, are you hungry? Are you desperate? Are you broken? Are you in need of God? Are you got all you need? I'm comfortable. I've got my retirement. I got these things here. You know, and, and they, they take care of me. I, I can make it from week to week anyway. Okay. But are you desperate for God is the question. God did not answer their prayers. And Jesus, when he came, he obviously, they, he was rejected here. And, and in Matthew 24, Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I'll say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon one another that, that shall not be thrown down. Jesus had been rejected as a Messiah. And here we see the disciples are looking at the building. They're impressed with external things. They are pointing out the magnificence of the temple and the magnificent building that it is. And isn't that like we are today? We're mesmerized by the magnificence of this and that and every material thing that comes along instead of being mesmerized and in love with Jesus Christ. Everything gets our attention. Man, looks good. Like new cars. We like this. We like that. God is saying today, are you seeking me? Are you hungry for me? Are you hungry for the things that this world presents? You see, God is saying today to you and me, he does not in any way share his glory with anything or with anybody. And he tells you and me, that we need to see him as our all and all completely consecrated to him because one day he's coming back because it says in Zechariah behold the day of the Lord is coming and it may be coming sooner than you think he says that behold the day of the Lord is coming are you ready are you ready when Jesus comes back again 
will you obviously uh, be there asleep? Remember, now I know different translations there. The uh, ten virgins with their uh, lamps. Remember what happened? Five went in. They come on in. They came in. The other five said, well, you know, uh, we, we don't have, we're not ready. Remember, they shut, Jesus shut the door. And they banged on the door and said, we got oil now. He says, too late. It's too late. He said, you should have been ready. I need to be ready. You need to be ready. But we've got to come to a place that we're desperate for him. I don't care what he does. Just do it, please. Do you see people the way Jesus sees them? There are people today, they have no idea who Jesus Christ is. Thank God, by his grace, my mother and father took me and my brother to church. And that obviously I knew who Jesus was. Jesus is saying to you and me today. Is why doesn't the Lord display his power more quickly. On behalf of, of his people here. The Hebrews were delivered out of Egypt when their cry was desperate. They got to the bottom of the barrel. And they cried out. Do we really want the Lord to move in our midst? Do we really want the Lord to come and display his power amongst us in this place today? Are we comfortable? Uh, these seats are not comfortable anyway, are they? <laughs> He's looking at me and you. And I'd be amiss if I didn't bring this message to you today. Because he's looking at my heart. And every time I tell you, I always preach to myself. Always. Trust me. Always do. This is for me. Remember Jonah? Jonah got in the way. He didn't want to preach the gospel. And so God said, all right. So the big fish swallowed him. And there he is in that stinky fish. I'm sure it didn't smell good at all. And finally, he came to a point of desperation and he cried out to God. And God just spit him out. He still didn't want to do it. But he went and did it. And remember what happened? Is Nineveh repented at that time. And revival took place. What if God is waiting for you and me to come to a place? Because we've been in the belly of the fish. And we've been in a place that it's not real comfortable and we come to a place and finally cry out to him in desperation and we get spit out on the shore and we finally go and do what God calls us to do. God's got work for you and me to do. God's got a place for you and me in what he's doing in his kingdom today. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom is expanding even as we speak. And God is looking for you and I to partner with him and help in, in that sense. He's chosen to use people. Okay. All right. What this means to us today again. Here's the question. We're praying for those in authority, right? Because the Bible tells us to, right? I think that's good. I think we need to keep praying. But the question is here, what's the motive? God, if it could be, God don't let anything happen to disturb, disturb my selfish little life. I've got it the way 
that I want it. And I don't want the federal government to upset that. It may be God will disturb your selfish, comfortable place that you're at. What if God doesn't answer the prayer the way we want him to answer it? What if, obviously, all the things that we see happening today get worse and worse and worse and worse? Where are you, are you going to have your faith anchored to? Is it going to be anchored to Jesus? Or is it going to be anchored to the fact of what you're hoping will happen in this nation culturally or in our society today? Or is our hope in Jesus and Him alone? No matter what He does. No matter whether or not He disturbs my little comfort zone. And my little selfish life, or whether or not, we obviously say, Lord, I don't care what you do. I just want you. Desperation is often a harbinger to breakthrough. And it is a precursor to revival. In Second Chronicles 16.9 it says. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. To strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is for us not against us. He's a very present help in our time of trouble. When David was in a desperate situation at Ziklag. He sought the Lord and got an answer. For Samuel chapter 30. In contrast remember what happened. When King Saul faced a desperate situation at Gilboa. And he made some effort to seek God. But when he didn't seem to work for him. Remember what happened? He went and sought a witch. And what happens with you and I? When God doesn't answer our prayers immediately. We give up and we walk away. And we obviously just completely throw everything to the wind. As far as our relationship with God. Saul actually he saw a witch. What do we see? May not be a witch. But it can be anything but God. And we begin to drift away because God didn't do what I wanted him to do. God didn't answer it the way I wanted him to. And so I, I'm, I'm chucking it. My, this God that you're talking about, Jim, today, he, he disappointed me. So I give up today. God is looking for soldiers. Soldiers are committed. Soldiers, obviously, put on the uniform and take the rifle. And they go forward and they persevere. And they are determined to serve no matter what. And believe it or not, if you're, if you're a Christian today, you're in God's army. The greatest miracles have happened in my life when I was desperate. It may mean that you're at a place of brokenness. Maybe. Brokenness. Our wills must be broken to his will. To be broken is the beginning of revival. The Lord. Unyielding self. Which justifies itself. Wants its way no matter what. Our selfish will stands up for its rights. And seeks the own, its own glory. But at last it bows. To the head of God's will. Admits it's wrong. And comes to its own way to Jesus. The problem is self. As long as self is in control. The spirit can't move. If you're really open to conviction. As we obviously seek fellowship with God. God will show you. Your proud. Your proud heart. Hard self. 
that causes them pain. We've got to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. No matter what. No matter what he calls you to do. And brokenness is a daily experience. When the Lord finds an empty life and, and empty of self, the Spirit will fill you with his glory and his power. One last thing. On a day-to-day -day basis, I want you to remember this, okay? Keep, obviously, absolutely, be completely honest with God over everything in, uh, that he brings correction to in connection with your life, everything. Thoughts, attitudes, motives, words, actions, whatever they may be. Keep them before the Lord. And when you do that, You'll find fellowship with the Lord. There are a lot of people who have relationship with, with Jesus, but they don't have fellowship. Everything in your life that you know, lots, lots of thoughts are coming in on a day, daily basis. You know that and I know that. Take every thought captive. If it's not of the Lord, reject it. When you have a motive and God shows you that motive is not pure, then bring it before the Lord and confess it, and repent of it, and move on. If it's an attitude that you have towards whatever, God will show you it's his business, then confess it to him and re reject it, renounce it, and, and then repent and move on. Everything in your connection with God on a day-to-day -day basis, you think, well, that's, that's a lot of work. The, the life of a Christian is a disciplined life. It is. Because we're in a war with God's army right take that captive bring it back to the lord and want to tell you today the life of jesus will be manifested in and through me and through you when you do that amen thank you lord all right I want to just ask, as I get this pass out done, would you help? This is, our, this is something I want to go over. We're going to take a few minutes here. If you would, Nancy, or uh, yeah, Michael, thank you. Thank you. Um, my calling is that those I oversee as a pastor that I want all that God has for you okay I don't want anybody left out I've told you that many many times I want all of you to experience God in his presence and his love I want all of you to be overflowing with the presence of the Lord in your life I don't want anybody left out. It's my whole thing. Teaching, preaching, guiding, counseling, everything. Everything is pointed towards that. And that's your relationship with Christ. And in this handout, I want you to look at it real quick. We're, we're going to go over it just a little bit. I want you to look at this. Because I want all of you, if you know Jesus, if you accepted Christ, then... Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. But if you haven't, 
then today may be the day that you accept him. We have an extra one? No, no extras? We got, okay. I'm going to get, uh, can I use your hand? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, page two. The second back side. It's possible to have a relationship and not have fellowship. And it's possible to have a relationship and still be walking in darkness. Okay. Not necessarily. Obviously, if you're in sin, you need to confess it to him and ask him to forgive you and repent. But he and he cleanses you. Okay. But it's possible here. And look what he's. This is uh, Pastor Ray. Halfway down. It's possible to be a Christian and yet walk in darkness by turning God off. John starts with this problem because it's one of the most widespread and commonplace of problems. You can miss the benefits of God's presence in your heart and life by ignoring the light. Okay, Jesus is light. How then do people actually do this? How do we turn out the light? You're Christians. Okay, everybody Christians and, and all. If you're not, talk to me afterwards and accept Christ, believe in him. And, and get set free. But he says this. How then we actually do this? Turn off the light. Walk in darkness. There are some very obvious ways in which we do this. Some people stop coming to church. The word of God is a channel of God's light. The word itself is light. It penetrates and searches. It seeks out our inner life. And exposes it to our view. If we stop coming to church. We escape the light that way. We're no longer made uncomfortable by the word we're no longer made uncomfortable by the word another way is to stop reading the scriptures an amazing number of christians have simply turned off the light by ceasing to read the scriptures underneath all the excuses that are given for this no time lots of pressure there's really a desire to escape the light another way is they never examine themselves this is an almost certain way of walking in the darkness. We seldom stop to examine ourselves. We never ask ourselves searching questions as to where we are in our Christian life. The Apostle Paul says, examine yourselves to see where you are in the faith. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Ask yourself, where am I? The prayer here. Father, grant to me the faith and the grace to come to the light exposing myself to your word and being willing to examine myself. Always take time. Where am I at? Where are you in your walk with Jesus? Are you, are you status quo? Are you saying, Lord, something down deep says there's more to this Christian walk than what I'm experiencing. You see, all it does is you expose it to the light. And when you expose that to the light, God swoops in. That's all he's looking for. He's not looking for us to do cartwheels, okay? He's looking for us to come and expose our lives to the light, the light of his presence. Where are we? Where am I? Where's this church? Where are we? Examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith, where you are. When you do that and you ask the Lord for that and you mean you mean business, he'll show you. And when he does that, he always provides <clears throat> the deliverance and also a way to come back. 
to come back and, and get back in the light. We always thought it was the dark. Yeah, sinners are in the dark. Yeah. And when you've got known sin, you're in the dark with that case. But we're talking about people that the relationship's there, but they don't have fellowship. Because they're walking outside of the light. Let God examine your hearts. And then bring everything into the light of his word. And if there's an area he shows you, just bring it to him and be open. Confess it to him. And repent. And get up. And keep on going. Amen? All right. You waiting on something? Or is God waiting on you? He's waiting on me. Is he waiting on this church? It's a question. To come to a place. To where he'll, we'll receive everything he has for us. I believe it really will be, could be he's waiting on us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth, and your presence. There's no God like our God. And Lord, you're awesome. <clears throat> and God, today, we just pray that you would do what you want to do, Lord. And those things that maybe have been hanging back, we ask you, we bring them into light. Because we want fellowship. Lord, the, tie, the name of our church, Lighthouse Fellowship. So, Lord, we, we should be experiencing you in that way. We want fellowship with you. So we bring every area of our life into the light. Is there something not in your life today that you know? God's already spoken. Because he's, he's good about that. And you need to bring it to light. Bring it into the light right now. Just say, Lord, I bring it into the light. If it's conviction, if you're being convicted right now and you're saying, I'm just, I'm not, I know I'm not quite where God wants me to be, go ahead and get it right today and wait and I come up front and we got, we'll pray for you, okay? Nothing to be embarrassed about, okay? God's saying today, he uses people, we're family, brothers, sisters of Christ. Just bring it forward. Don't, don't keep, keep walking in the darkness. There's no life in it. Spiritual death. And without desperation, it's deadly to our spiritual walk. And remember what I said, how you can, how you can uh, confront that is, Lord, I want to be desperate. Go Simple, isn't it? I want to be desperate. You want to be desperate. Just ask him. But it makes a choice. It has, has to be a willingness. God won't barge in on our unwillingness. But if you're willing, he is able. Thank you, Father. Bless this church. Bless us, Lord. Help us to bring it into the light. Examine ourselves as the areas of our life that we're asking. Lord, we know it's not right. We don't have the commitment to you. We're not experiencing fellowship like we did maybe some time ago or whenever it may be. Lord, we want fellowship. Because we know, Lord, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sins. Lord, we ask you today, do a mighty work here. My life, life of every believer here today, and this church called Lighthouse Fellowship. And we'll praise you forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. All hearts clear?